0: Good morning, I'm not Matt, my name is Josh Lynn, I'm the missions minister here at the church at West Franklin and it is always my intense joy and a humble responsibility to to come and share the word with you this morning. Uh, I want to ask you a question before we get going too far, Uh, was there, you can be honest with me, was there anybody at Christmas dinner that you weren't excited to see? I don't need names, but you can be honest right now. Okay, be honest internally, right? Was there somebody at Christmas dinner that you weren't excited to see? Or maybe we can ask it this way. Who are the people that might have showed up at Christmas dinner? Uh, Maybe if you were having a nightmare, who would have showed up at Christmas dinner, right? Or who is that one person that you're not looking forward to seeing when you go back to work in the new year? Or who is that one person who the, the spirits just bring into your mind right now? Is there a group of people that you just would not be excited to have over at your house for lunch when you leave here today? For me, I get an opportunity to air my personal grievances. Uh, one of those groups for me will be Texans. Are there any Texans in the room? Okay. Uh, if, you, if you're from Texas, you can come to me after this for, for repentance and reconciliation. I'll buy, I'll buy your coffee. But I have some personal issues with Texas and the people from there. I love them, but allow me to list my issues. First of all, if you Google UT score, even here in Franklin, the first scores that come up are the University of Texas's most recent scores. Listen, the University of Tennessee, from which I graduated, uh, was a school before Texas was a state. This is not, <laughs> not acceptable. <laughs> not acceptable. And as, as the University of Texas enters the Southeastern Conference, I ask all you other Southeastern Conference folks to stand with us. UT is the University of Tennessee. Uh, thank you. Now, I'm glad, I'm glad I have a, a sympathetic audience here. Uh, the, the second thing is Texas pride. I'm not going to explain this to you except for to say this. You've never met somebody from Texas and found out deep into your relationship that they were from Texas. It comes up in the first conversation or two right? You're you're never going to be helping an old friend move and a box spill and belt buckles and boots and a 10-gallon hat fall out, and they say, oh, I never told you I'm from Texas. That will never happen for lots of reasons. That will never happen. Uh, I've never been to Texas, but I have an assumption it's hot there. Uh, I don't care to go. A 70-degree Christmas is really nice. That's where it needs to stop. Uh, And finally, Davy Crockett was my first personal hero, and if you don't know your history, he died at the Alamo, and I... Have not forgotten I remember <laughs> I do remember the Alamo. Um, for me, I would not be excited to have a whole bunch of Texans show up at lunch today. I love them I'll share the gospel with them. However, I wouldn't be excited for uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 today. you can start opening your Bible to Acts chapter 10. we're going to start in verse 34, but I'm going to catch you up on what's happening in Acts chapter 10. and the reason I, I get to air my grievances about Texas is because Today we're going to read about Peter, who had some grievances of his own. His grievances were against the Roman Empire. At this point in history, uh, as you probably know, throughout Jesus' life, the Roman government has taken over Israel. They have their military there. They tax Israel, amongst lots of other places, and bring the wealth back to Rome. They're oppressors. Peter is an establishment guy Peter is always asking Jesus about the kingdom, and when you see Peter asking Jesus about the kingdom, what he is saying is, when are you going to free the kingdom of Israel from the Roman rule, right? The person that Peter doesn't want to sit down and have lunch with the day after Christmas or the day after Easter or any other day is the Roman government, right? It's imagine if the Texas National Guard moved into Nashville, took over the state of Tennessee, took down the UT signs, and put up University of Knoxville, or something crazy like that. Imagine if they were taxing you and sending the money back to Texas, and one of their military officials named Cornelius calls you for lunch. You're not going to be excited. So this is the scenario we find, find ourselves in with Peter. Um, I'm going to recap what's happening in chapter 10 up until we get to the point of verse 34. So, First, we see a vision from a guy named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is odd. I've already told you he's a military general for the Roman government that's occupying a part of Israel that's called Caesarea or Caesarea, right? And so he's, he's a military general there. He's in charge of about 100 soldiers. He's a wealthy man. He's well off. But there's something strange about him. He is a Roman military leader who worships Israel's God, right? He's not fully a believer, but he prays to the God of the Bible, and he makes offerings. So he makes offerings to the poor is probably what he's doing. So he's a wealthy man. He makes offerings to the poor in the name of God. He prays to the Hebrew God, but he's not really fully Jewish. He's not invested into Jewish culture, although for some reason he seems to believe in God. And Cornelius receives a vision from the Lord that tells him, you need to hear from a guy named Simon who's called Peter. You need Peter to come talk to you. And, and in this vision, he, he gets the specific location of where Peter is staying that's at least a day's journey away by walking. And so, he, again, being a man of means and wealth, he sends two of his servants, one of his soldiers, to go to this place where he had a vision that somebody named Simon, who's called Peter, is going to be. While these guys are traveling, Peter is praying. And as Peter's praying, he has a vision too, But Peter's vision, remember, Peter is is a good Jewish boy waiting for the kingdom of God to come, Even, even as Jesus ascends into heaven, right before he ascends into heaven at the beginning of the book of Acts, Peter and the other disciples say, Jesus, 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 we get it now. But when is the kingdom coming? When is freedom from occupation coming? When are we going to be free again? And Jesus says, it's not my it's not neither neither your time or place to know, but then he gives the great commission, right? He says, Don't worry about the kingdom. Go and share the gospel, is Jesus' last words to Peter. But Peter still doesn't really get this. Peter is praying. The scripture tells us he's hungry, and he sees a vision where the heavens open. It's a very strange vision. And then something like a sheet comes down from heaven, and on top of it are all kinds of animals. There's animals that Peter is used to eating, and there's, Peter, there's animals that Peter has never eaten before in his life because it's against Jewish law, things that would have turned his stomach to even look at and consider eating. And he hears Jesus' voice from heaven saying, Get up, kill, eat. Three times Peter hears Jesus tell him to get up and eat of anything on this sheet, and three times Peter says, No, I'm not going to do that. Then the vision ends, the sheet ascends, and Peter is left really confused. Really confused. What does this mean? And as he's praying and trying to figure out what this vision could possibly mean for him, that's so outside of his comfort zone, so pushing him to do things that he's never considered doing, there are men who are standing at the city gate asking for a guy named Simon who's called Peter. And if you know your Peter history well, the last time armed guards and servants showed up, they were coming to arrest Jesus, and Peter cut off one of their ears Now Peter's woken up from a vision, trying to figure out what in the world is going on, and there's an armed guard and two servants looking for him. He again hears the voice of God that says, Get up, go with them, because I've sent them to you. So Peter gets up and travels all the way back to Cornelius' house, still wondering what in the world is going on today. What does this vision mean? And he gets to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius tells him, about his dream from God. How he's been faithful to God, he's been praying to God, and that God told him, Where to find you? I know where to find you, and I know you have something to tell me. What is it? If you'll stand with me and honor of God's word, we're gonna read Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 34. This is Peter's answer when Cornelius says, What is it you have to say to me? Peter began to speak. Now truly I understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right and acceptable to him. He sent the message to the Israelites, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know the events that took place throughout all of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses to everything he did in both the Judean country and in Jerusalem and yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised him up on the third day, amen? And caused him to, to be seen, not by all people, but by us, whom God appointed as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living of the to be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. While Peter was still speaking, Peter doesn't even finish. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gifts of the Holy Spirit were being poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and declaring the greatness of God. Then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and they asked him to stay for a few days. Join with me in prayer. Father God, this is the gospel. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for drawing Cornelius to yourself and for sending Peter to preach. And thank you for preserving this word in the Bible that we get to read today. Would you speak to us through your word? Would you help us to hear the gospel that Peter preached and rejoice in the salvation that we can find, same as Cornelius. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. You can be seated. It's easy for me, as I'm reading this passage, to stop. Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I get caught up on something, and I keep reading, but my mind is really back somewhere else. With this passage, every time I'm reading through the book of Acts, I always get caught up with Peter's vision because I love bacon, and I love shrimp, and I love bacon-wrapped shrimp, I love a Christmas ham, and I'm just like, thank you, Lord. It brings me to praise. Thank you, Lord, that I get to eat of all things and not feel guilt, right? It's, it's easy to get caught up on these visions because they're weird. They jump out to us. They stick with us, and, and it's easy to skip past to the next parts. But one, one good and right and true understanding of this is that we're not under a food law anymore. Right? God doesn't judge us by what goes into our body, but as Jesus says, by what comes out of our mouth. Right? What's within that comes out is, is what we're judged by. And as, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Right? And so we're judged by what Jesus has done for us, which is good news for us. And so it's easy for us to say, this is good news. What I'm doing isn't what is, at the end of the day, the ultimate thing. Right? I can't mess up by eating bacon. I can mess up by eating too much bacon, maybe. But that comes from within, right? Anyway, I'm digressing. The point being, we can get caught up on what this means for us in our daily lives. But here's the thing. I don't think that Peter has the vision primarily about food. If we read this passage together, what Peter has this vision about is to soften his heart to take the gospel. The point isn't we get to eat whatever we want, clean or unclean. The point isn't that we're free from the law, although praise God we are because we can't live up to it. The point isn't all these things. The point is go. When Peter is asking Jesus, when the apostles are asking Jesus as he's about to ascend to heaven, when is the kingdom coming? He basically tells him it doesn't matter. What matters is that you go and tell the good news. What he's telling Peter here is the food doesn't matter. What matters is that you Go. And in Peter's heart, he had a block, a prejudice even, against the Roman government, against the people who were occupying and oppressing him and his people. He had reservations about that. I don't think that Peter would have gotten up and gone if he hadn't had a vision from the Lord and heard the Lord tell him to go. Peter was, This is the last person on Peter's list to share the gospel with. The point of the passage isn't to, to get up and kill and eat. The point of the passage is to get up and go and tell. And that's good news for us. I think there's, there's three application points that I want us to take away from this that mean that it's time for us to get up and go. First has to do with Peter and a guy named Jonah. Again, if you know your Peter history well, you know that Peter's name before Jesus told him his name was Peter, it was Simon. His actual full name was Simon bar Jonah. Do we have that slide? So, the first, the first thing we see is this, that Peter's name is actually Simon Bar-Jonah, which in Hebrew means Simon's son of Jonah, right? So, Jonah lived a long, long time before Simon and the rest of the apostles lived, but Simon's dad was a guy named Jonah. We see some parallels here. Jonah got sent to Nineveh, if you recall, and he was not very excited about going to share the good news of God with the Ninevites. Peter was sent to the Gentiles. He was not very excited about going to share the good news with the Gentiles, Jonah denied what God asked him to do and spent three days in the belly of a fish. Peter denied the vision that he saw three times. Both went, they preached, and they saw conversion. Jonah was angry that the Ninevites converted and followed God. Uh, the part that we didn't read is after Peter gets back home from this trip, the other Israelites are upset with him because they shared the gospel with Gentiles, and they're saying Gentiles can be included in the kingdom. It makes, it makes us angry. It makes them angry that that we're including people that we would rather keep out. God often sends us first to the places we'd least like to go. And I think that this can be true in your life, in your neighborhood, maybe in your family, maybe in your place of work, and it can be true around the world. For each of us, the answer is probably a little bit different. Not everybody holds as many grievances against Texas as I do, probably. But there's somewhere in your heart, there's someone in your heart that's the last on your list. I would rather take the good news of Jesus to anybody except blank. I hope that that what's happening right now is that the Spirit's bringing up people into your mind. Maybe it's it's people who would vote differently than you, who you'd say, our country would be so much better if people would just stop voting this way. Maybe it's people who... You wouldn't share a table with because of what they've done to you. Maybe it's people you wouldn't share a table with because of how you'd be seen if somebody saw you eating with tax collectors. If somebody saw you eating with the prostitutes in the city, where where is it that that is least and last on your place to go? I've been on mission journeys before where I've gotten on a plane and the entire plane, about 90% of the plane, was wearing one of three different colored T-shirts. You know why? Because there were three mission teams going on that plane, and they filled up an entire plane to go to the same place. And that's a good thing. We should be going. We should be bringing the gospel to everybody. I'm not saying that it's good to only go to the last person on your list, saying that we're called to go to everyone. We're called to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But I hope that we're a church... That's willing to come together and send people and go ourselves to the places that nobody's going. To the places where we get on a plane and nobody on that plane looks like us, thinks like us, talks like us. I hope we can go to both of those places together and not say no to either one. Next, I want us to see that God is already calling people to Himself. If you think about it, there was a lot of walking that happened in this journey, but who did the hard work here? Cornelius? I don't think so. He just went and found somebody who God told him to find, and exactly where to find him. Did Peter do the hard work? No. He just got up and went when he heard God's voice telling him to go. The person who's drawing all these parts together is God. God. And we are missing the picture if we think he's not doing the same thing in our lives today. God is drawing Cornelius's and Peter's from all around the world to meet each other in passing instances. He's also drawing Cornelius's and Peter's who've worked together for 30 years. God is working together the parts. It's not about you going, it's about you being faithful to where God is calling you. It's, it's about trusting that God is already bringing people into your life and into the places that you're going to be that are looking for answers. There's a quote I love from a guy named C.S. Lewis who's talking about amicable agnostics. What he's saying is these likable people who don't really know what they believe in God, they love to sit together and talk about, is there a God? Can we find God? What can we know about God. And C.S. Lewis says, this might as well be mice talking about where to find a cat. Who's doing the work in the cat-mouse relationship? The cat is the one seeking. The cat is the one drawing them out, right? These people who are are out there, they want to talk about God. People have questions about God. People have curiosities about God. They like to wonder, is God real, and how can I know him, and is it real in my personal experience? But God is already drawing them out. God already has a heart for them. He's already seeking them. And church, the people sitting in our room today and rooms like ours today are the people that God is calling to meet those people. I think sometimes we're waiting for a special vision like Peter had. But Peter had a vision. Jonah had a fish so that we don't have to. We have their stories that instruct us to go. We don't have to wait for a a cloud to open and a sheet to come down and somebody to tell us who to go to. We already have their story for the instruction for us. We already know that we're called to go. The reason that, that Peter had to go through all this is because he wasn't listening when Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Peter wanted to stay with the people who looked like him, who thought like him, who talked like him, who ate like him, and he had to be sent out. Jonah wanted to do the same thing, and he had to be sent out. Let's not wait for God to make us be sent out. Let's go. Finally, it's not visions, it's not about the visions. God doesn't save us with the visions. This this could have been, this is actually, this this, this passage is the longest single narrative story in the book of Acts. Acts tells us lots of stories of what lots of the apostles went and did. It tells us a lot about Paul. You might think that's the longest part of Acts is, is telling us a story about Paul, but the longest single story is about Peter and Cornelius. And that could have been so short if in that first vision to Cornelius, God had just shared the gospel with him. But that's not what God did. God sent him to find someone to tell him about it. I used to be a student minister, and my favorite thing that I told students all the time—that I hope you'll hear as well as they did—is that the greatest gift that God ever gave us is the gift of His Son Jesus, and the gospel that Peter just taught, that we just read Peter telling the the Cornelius household. The greatest gift God has given us is Jesus and His work for us; that He saved us, and we don't have to do it on our own. The second greatest gift that God gave us is the opportunity to partner with him in that. God could have done it and given everybody that he ever wanted to save a vision about the gospel, telling them more than we could ever tell them, more than we could ever understand, and let them accept it or not accept it. It could have been done that way. But Paul tells us, Peter's story tells us, and Paul tells us over in the book of Romans, that that's not how God said he wanted to do it. Faith comes from hearing the word, from hearing the word proclaimed, from you and me sitting down, with people like us and people not like us, and telling what Jesus has done. That's how faith is passed on. It's a gift that God's given us that we get to participate in this with him. The greatest story ever told, the point of all human history, we spent a month singing and talking about how Christmas morning was what all the world had been waiting for and what all the world has been looking back on since, and you and I get to be a part of that. Not just a recipient, not, not merely someone who takes it in, but someone who participates with God in his plan, in his story. It's not about the visions. It's about us. It's always been about us. God wants us to be a part of it with him. And that's good news to me. I think also another part of this passage that's easy to get hung up on is The miracles. God gives a vision here, God gives a vision there. People start speaking in tongues and receive the Holy Spirit. It's easy for us to think about those things and get caught in those things. But church, I think if we want to see the miraculous things happen in our lives, the stories of change, heart change, that are unexpected that only God could do, I think if we want to see those things happen, we go to the people who we least want to go to. The people who we say in our head and heart, they would never believe that. People who we say in our head and heart, if they, if they accepted Jesus, I would have to see a miracle come out of them for me to believe it. They would have to start speaking in tongues for me to believe this is real. I think if you want to see miracles happen in our, in our church and in our lives, we go to the people we, that are last on our list. We don't have to go to the other side of the world to do that. We have opportunities to do that. It could be in your home. It could be in your place of work. But just take, take a moment. We're gonna, I'm going to lead you in prayer at this point. I think what God is doing is bringing maybe names, maybe groups, maybe not, but to your mind and to your heart. Who is it that you could reach? Who is it that God is already drawing out? Who is it that God is already leading you towards and you don't even know it yet? Would you be open to it? Would you be open to seeing where the Lord leads you, where he takes you, and who comes in into your life? Or where he's calling you to go. It doesn't have to be a sheet coming down from heaven with a, an address or a plane ticket. It doesn't. He's already sent us out. So let's look and see where he's sending us and where he's working through us. Join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your son Jesus and the testimony that we have passed down to us. Lord, I just, w- would you draw into our minds and hearts now the person or people who shared the gospel with us when we understood? Who was our Peter? Who did you send to us? Lord, thank you for them. Lord, thank you also that you have decided that the way this works is that we get to join you in it. Would you help to open our eyes and our hearts and our hands to the people that you're already leading us to? The people that are already in our lives? Lord, not just the people who are last on our list, but also the people who are first. Would you just give us the opportunity to share your good news with them? Because that's why we're here. It's not about the kingdom Until the kingdom comes, right now, it's about you, and it's about going and taking your message to them. So I pray that you would just give us favor in that, help us to see, and use your spirit to guide us. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. It's been good to be with you this morning. Look forward to seeing you soon.